And this is me being an open book here. I, I don't know any other way, but I tell you like it is and everybody's story is different. But mm. for me, graduating was a huge ordeal because you can criticize me. You can tell me I'm not this, I'm not that, but you can never take away my education. We're back with another episode of Knights Do That. Today's episode is an outstanding one, and it especially is for everyone who grew up watching Disney Channel. Joining me today is actor and UCF alum Adrian Armante, who you may know best from the hit Disney Channel show, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. We'll chat about his journey at UCF to landing his role on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and what advice he would give to young actors. Adrian has such great advice, and I can't wait for you to hear from him. So let's get into it. Adrian, it's such a pleasure to get to come and to talk to you here on the podcast. It's awesome having you here. Thank you for inviting me. I do get a lot of these invitations, but I had to say yes to my alma mater, so here I am. Well, it means a lot to myself as an acting major here, and I know a lot of my fellow students, my fellow actors who, when I mentioned I was speaking with yourself, they're like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. It's so cool. So I again, I appreciate your time here. That's really cool. I'm, I'm assuming they know that I was a part of the theater program there yes. for many years. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I ancient times, but hey, it was good back then. Where did you have your theater? We did it in a, the actual theater over there by the science. Do you guys still? That's still our main theater. Yeah, that's oh, where we do cool. our main stage performances. But we have a section right by where the um, fraternity and sorority houses are. It's the performing arts center. One side is theater, one side is music. So that's where we do like our rehearsing. We worked out of the main stage theater mm-hmm. and the black box right next to it. But was it really a black box? But it kind of, I guess it was. You used to have acting classes there. Then you had obviously like the break rooms and mm-hmm. the dressing rooms. And we had 300 acting students, 300. I don't know how many you guys have now, but that was considered a lot back then. And yeah. so you could get lost in the shuffle, but not all of them were acting majors. Some were in production and management and things like that, but it was banging back then. Yeah. Still going strong. I just did a performance march in the black box. So my, my shoes are stepping in where you have gone before. When you're pursuing your acting career in college, you always have that, those one performances that stand out. Mm-hmm. I had a couple. We, I did cabaret there, musical, mm-hmm. and I'm not a singer, but I'm a good actor. Mm-hmm. So I acted like I could sing. Eh, eh. <laughs> and I fooled them all. <laughs> just like I fooled everybody that... Esteban had an accent, well, that Adrian Armante has an accent. I don't, I, I, I played one. That was a, an amazing, to this day, one of my best performances of all time was right there at that UCF theater. Wow. Main stage to well, this day. I want to ask that you had people around you. Did anybody else you worked with at UCF go on to film television stage in Atlanta, LA, New York? There's been a few that have done things, but mm-hmm. they were so many talented actors that are still acting today. You don't have to be in TV and film to have a career. I just chose that because a lot of people actually don't choose to move to LA. I chose, the crazy thing, as soon as I graduated, my truck was packed up and I was on the road to LA right after I graduated. Wow. So that shows you me. I'm just built different. Doesn't mean I'm more talented than the actors I worked with. I'm just a little crazy. And I was established in Orlando. I did, I got to do a lot of main stage productions. I did the, the Shakespeare Festival, the UCF Shakespeare Festival was my first paid gig ever. I was one of their journeyman actors. And then I did Nickelodeon locally there back in the nineties when Nickelodeon was filmed there called Slime Time Live. So my feet was wet there. I was having success, but I knew going to LA was a risk, but I, I had to just 
go for it. I don't want to be 40 years old saying I wish. So I just went for it. But yeah, that, that's how crazy I am. But I, I recommend it for anybody who just has that dream to be in TV and film. There is this one actor who I did look up to during my time. And it's always good to have someone you look up to, in my opinion. Don't try to, don't think you're the best. There's always someone better than you and you're better than someone, always. Mm-hmm. And so I just tried to find the people that were better than me and hang out with those guys. But I work with some amazing actors and who knows what they're doing now. I don't keep in touch with everybody. I follow some people on Facebook. That's what most everybody's on because it came out first. But yeah, that'd be the coolest thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but I did this musical cabaret. And the coolest thing about it was it, it won an Oscar. Joel Gray, who played the MC, the character I got to play in the musical, he won an Oscar for best actor. And he also was the actor that played the MC on Broadway in 1963 and the stage manager because you guys have stage managers in your productions and they're the box once the show goes up you, they're the ones you listen to right so the stage manager of 1963 production directed our production at ucf his name was nick Bernaldi. whoa so ucf was banging back in the day and i'm not sure now i'm sure it is but they used to bring some heavy hitters and some cool people like jim helsinger i don't know if you know him but he's director, yeah, director he, of the Shakespeare Festival. He's my professor right now. I remember when I auditioned for the Shakespeare Festival. It was his first year that he was become he's going to become artistic director. He was planning on it, but he was directing Othello. Mm-hmm. And he he hired me. I think he was the artistic director his first year. Mm-hmm. And he hired me and another UCF actor, Corey Baker. Mm-hmm. And that dude single-handedly changed my life. I don't even know if he knows it. On the flip side of what I asked you a little moment ago about the people you worked with, once you... We're out in California working on the show. This will be live with Zach and Cody for context. Did people from UCF reach out to you and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe we had introductory algebra together. I just saw you on television. This is the coolest thing. Well, the craziest thing is I, I don't know if people knew I was doing the show for a long time because when I was on the show, they didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. My fellow actors, they were still young pursuing the career. I booked it in my late 20s, early 30s, I believe, something like that. Mm-hmm. And... Unless they had kids, which they did, and you didn't really know about the sweet life. Mostly it was parents and kids that watched the show, which now it's crazy because the kids that watched it back in the day are having kids. It's just nuts. Yes. <laughs> but I've had a few people reach out to me, but these are people that I knew. No, Nobody like, of course, once you become a little famous, you get people that are your cousins. The good thing about social media, you can just click decline. Yeah, but some people did reach out to me. It was mm-hmm. cool. I, I still follow some of my friends from UCS and see what they're up to. And you probably have some really close friends now that you'll be friends with 20 years from now. Oh, yeah. Do you guys do summer productions there now? Yes. So we have our normal season, which is we have the fall season and the spring season. Then we have Pegasus Play Lab, which is where directors and actors will come from all over. People who are connected to UCF in some way or another will come here and submit shows written by students or do their own pieces. Recently we had UCF Celebrates the Arts, which if you've seen the Dr. Phillips Center here in Orlando, UCF takes that bad boy over and does a bunch of shows there. It's the coolest thing. So local arts is attached at the hip indefinitely to UCF and the Orlando theater scene are one and the same. That's amazing. It's so good for you guys to get a spark in your career. Mm-hmm. It's a little tough in the TV and film business. We can talk about that, but all that experience you're getting is invaluable. It prepares you for the world of acting, not necessarily TV and film. TV and film is something that I had to learn along the way, but right. the theater base that I had allowed me to be a real actor. 
because TV and films is different. It's just not the same process. I mean, in theater, you get to development. You get to develop your character. You get to really walk in their shoes. When it comes to TV and film, if you have an audition today or you get an audition today, you have to perform at your highest level tomorrow and walk in those shoes as if you had it for six weeks while you're preparing to put it on the main stage. You don't get that with TV and film. They expect you to walk into the audition or self-tape now and be at that level. But you learn that it's a process and you learn how to, when you read the script, you look at it and you go, I know exactly what you think you do, but I have the confidence, not that I do know, but I say, I know what they're looking for. So I go, I just make strong choices. I don't think about what they want me to choose. I just make choices, Mm -hmm. self-tape it, turn it in. And I continue on with my life. That's the life of an actor in TV and film. Theater, you get to bond more with your actors, you're part of this play, you put it off for many, many weeks. It's pretty cool. A lot of our jobs, unless you're doing a three month or mo- a longer movie or you're on a series, it's just usually in and out. One of the final deciding factors of my choosing to come into the acting program here at UCF was its location in Orlando and that I could shoot and I have shot to Tampa, Jacksonville, Atlanta, North Florida, Miami. I just love that. I love the the central, it's in the name, the central location of it. You can just shoot everywhere. So I'm so thankful for that. Yeah, you're in prime location. I actually chose Orlando because of that. Back in the day, they actually shot some series at Universal. I'm so curious about UCF as this jumping off point. You said you packed your truck up as soon as you graduated. I graduate in a couple of weeks. So I better get that truck ready and raring to go. I'm behind apparently. So you'd mentioned that you pack your truck, you head out to California. Can you talk to me about the experience of pursuing your dreams out there and what the first couple of you know months, years were like for you? And this is me being an open book too. I, I don't know any other way, but I tell you like it is and everybody's story is different. But mm-hmm. for me, graduating was a huge ordeal because you can criticize me. You can tell me I'm not this, I'm not that, but you can never take away my education. And that was meaningful for me mostly because I was an ethnic person, not because I played a role. I'm trying to say I'm a brown kid, but no, I'm just saying there wasn't a lot of my friends going to college. I was the only one. So I just want to paint that picture. So for me, when I chose to go to LA, I knew I was going there with an education. Worst case scenario, I'm going to get me a second career. Mm -hmm. I talk about this. I'm an advocate of this. You don't put everything in on acting. And, and all I wanted to do was act, but that's naive and gullible. And to me, the wrong choice. I went to LA knowing I would be able to have two careers. One, uh, I was a high school English teacher. The second one was I was an actor. So I got to go to auditions whenever I had them. And I went back to my English class and taught them how to write an essay. I did this for five years while I pursued my acting career. And so I was good. I never starved. I had a consistent check and I had an agent. I had a manager, but that took a little bit of time. I didn't go there right away with that. I had to go there. I had to study for the California educational skills test. So I can be a teacher and all about certifications. I had to go through this process. And I had just came off of Orlando doing like, Nickelodeon. I did a children's play called uh, Jungle Book. I got paid. I was making money there. I was having success. I gave all that up to a dream. You know, I've always wanted to be on TV or make a movie. So when I went there, 
I went with a level head. I didn't go in there desperately trying to find an agent with the first month. No, I gave myself a year to settle in. I did pursue some agents here and there. And it is a, it is an absolute challenge to get anybody to take your calls or look at your headshot, look at your resume. It's truly referral-based. That's what I've learned. Like it's referral-based. If you happen to go to the gym at some point and you meet some cool dude and he happens to be an agent, he's like, oh, I'm an agent. Oh, you are. I didn't even know that I've been working out with you for three months. That's so cool. I've, I've been looking for one. Have you? Very cool. Here's, why don't you, I'll set up a meeting on Tuesday. You come and meet the agents. And my office is, you know, have something prepared. Really? Yeah. All right, cool. You see how that happened? Yeah. That happened by chance. That's how you get in those doors. That's why people are social butterflies in LA. They always try to talk to you that people say California is superficial. And it is. And the reason why it is because everybody's trying to advance their career and they're realizing how difficult it is. I promise you it would be more real if agents, casting directors, managers would actually take your call, but they're not going to because they don't want to waste their time with a bunch of bad actors. So they go through referrals. How are you going to get a referral? You got to meet people. You got to get out there. You got to go to parties. You got to go to red carpets. You got to go to the gym. You got to just do something. You can't sit at home. They're not going to call you. So I knew that. So I was out there hustling. It took me three years to get an, a legitimate agent in LA. I got hustled a few times. Hey, give me a thousand bucks for headshots and I'll, I'll get you an agent. Back in the day, they used to prey on their dreams, but LA is so much more organized and structured and there's laws and you can't just do that anymore. If you're an agent, that's all you can do. If you're a manager, that's all you can do. If you're training, that's all you can do. You can't mix and dip in each pot, which I love. Hmm. So... After three years of searching, I finally, you know, had to go back to my roots. I think your UCF theater students will appreciate this. So I went back to my roots. It's like, fine, no one's taking my call. Let me get out there and do a player and something. So I went out and I looked in the back of the trades called Backstage. You guys know Backstage.com. Mm -hmm. Back then there was the trades. You go up and you go to the magazine rack and you pick up it. Back then it was called Backstage West. And in the back they'd have auditions for independent movies, uh, spec commercials, spec commercials, like anybody can make a commercial, try to sell it to Doritos and see if they'll buy it. That's a spec commercial. They have those left and right. That's why I tell actors, don't just sit at home. You can get out there and do stuff. You never know if something's going to pop or break. You can't just be at home saying, call me or no, make your career happen. I made my career happen. Trust me. I did. Mm -hmm. No one handed me anything. I saw this play they were auditioning. It was called Peace of My Heart. And it's about the woman's experience in the Vietnam War as a play. Okay. They were all nurses, girlfriends, wives of the soldiers in the Vietnam oh, War. And it was their story. Wow. So I auditioned and there was only two male parts in 18 male roles. I was like, oh my gosh, if I can get this, I can really showcase my level of skills. Like I could do because the the drunk husband, the abusive boyfriend, the wounded warrior. And then I got the part. I got the freaking part because I went back and I did a monologue that I did back in the day at UCF. I pulled it out of my pocket and I said, here, I have this. Because I tell you guys, have weapons in your pocket, an arsenal of things. You never know who you're going to run into. So I pulled out this dramedy. It was drama and comedy. And that's what this play was. I didn't know it was kind of luck, but I put myself in a position to get lucky. And I just happened to pick the right monologue. Well, they liked me. They brought me back. I read for these. After you, you guys know this, but you audition with a woman at Moog, and then they call you back and they give you different roles if they're considering for the play. That's what I did. Then I ended up getting the role, and by chance, it got nominated for an Ovation Award. Now, Ovation is equivalent to the Tony Awards, but just not as prestigious. 
because it's LA. LA's not known for plays. Right. But because it got nominated for an ovation award, guess what? Agents, managers came out to watch it. This came out to watch it. And then boom, my first ever agent gave me his card after that play and said, hey, call me, let's set up a meeting. I like what you did in this play. I was like, okay. Called him, sat down in a chair with him, sat across from me. The monologue, the same monologue that I did to get that play, I did it for him. So here's the difference between a, doing a monologue in a black box, mm. they do doing a monologue in an office with a dude sitting right across from you or a female, like right there. You have to change your energy. You got to fill the room out. You can't be projecting your voice like this. And he's like right there. Then they, they know you're a theater actor. So you got to break it down and keep it very real. So, you know, I'm, I have my hands on my tables. I'm leaning into you looking like this. Mm. That's what I did to him. I, I just set the table. I leaned into him and I started doing the monologue just like this. And I kept it very real and everything. And I had like that Denzel Washington tear come out of my eyes. One, just one. I yeah. knew I had this dude. And all the actors say it, just give me a chance. So that's all I was saying. Just give me a chance. And I went there. He signed me on the spot. Boom. My career changed forever. Wow. Jeez. That's it. That's my story. That's how domino. tough it was going there. What an awesome domino effect of going back to your roots and the training you had here at UCF and how that came in handy all these years later to just set you up. Hundred percent. That's my true story. And without my foundation at UCF, I wouldn't be where I am today, for sure. Hundred percent. Are there any other experiences you had from UCF or that you gained at UCF that helped you down your career, even further along in your career, that you had to go back and reflect on your time here? Yeah, I'll tell you one. So my last year, literally one of my last, probably my last class ever at UCF. Okay. I had already done Orlando Shakespeare Festival. Did Othello and be the Taming of the Shrew. This is back in the 90s. So I already did that. And I knew Jim. I was like, Jim is teaching a class. And I've never worked with him. I was directed by him. He's very good at what he does. And he knows his stuff, right? So I was like, man, I got to take this class. So I was one of probably 20 that got into the class. And the class was called Marketing Yourself in Acting. Not theater, not commercials, just acting in general. So I took that class in long story short, that was the last class before I took that journey to LA mm -hmm. and he taught me how to market myself. I don't know exactly what was said, but let's just say I can sum it up this way that, you know, you as an actor, I'm talking to all the theater students out there, you're an actor. You want someone to buy your product. If we're looking at this from business, right? This is called show business. You got to understand it's a business. If you look at business, business is direct. It's, it's not personal. It is what it is. So. When I realized that, he told me that you know, I'm a, basically I'm a product and how am I going to market my product? What am I going to be? It really set me up for when I went to LA. In LA, at first I was like, I want to play it all. I want to show them I can do so many diverse things, but that's not how it works. In TV and film, you are what you look like. It doesn't matter if you're white, if you look Spanish, you're playing Spanish. I tell people that there's two things. You are what you look like mm -hmm. and you are the age you look, not the age you are, period. So I looked at that, I'm like, okay, I'm 24, 23, but I look like a 17 year old, okay? My name is Adrian Weinbarger, but I look like Esteban Julio Ricardo Montoya de Rosa de Mides. So what am I gonna do here? I gotta learn how to market myself. No one's gonna buy Adrian Weinbarger right. to play Rodrigo. Or Omar, these are the roles that I look like. You know what I did? 
went back to the marketing class, marketing yourself and acting. How am I going to market this product so I can get jobs on TV and film? So I changed my last name. Then I, I wanted to pick something general that would be Hispanic, but could be Italian, could be anything. I just wanted you to go, what is that? That's what I wanted you to say. Mm-hmm. So then when I walk in the room for the audition, whatever accents I'm doing, you believed whatever I said I was. So if I said, what do you want me to do? You want me to sit here? I do it for you. No problem. It's okay. I do it for you. I'll be Middle Eastern. I'll be Palestinian. I'll be whatever it is that I'm auditioning for. And it's not, you're not necessarily lying. You're just playing the game. And you're, it's your alter ego. Hey, Beyonce has it, right? And she performs on stage. True. So, hey, I'm performing. When I walk in that room, I'm performing. If you want to get to know me, go take me to dinner. Let's sit down. We can talk. And then I can tell you the story how I changed my last name. But until you do that, when I walk in that room, I'm whatever you're looking for. This is marketing yourself in the business. Do you like my product? Do you like the way it tastes? Okay, then just buy it. But if you want to know what's in the ingredients, we can go sit down and talk about that later. But don't worry about that. That was the one thing. That class, man, it changed me forever. If I had not taken that class, I probably would still be Adrian Weinberger. Probably not work as much because people are not going to sell this Hispanic guy with a German Jew last name. So technically, I'm Mexican and Caucasian. Technically. But just look up character breakdowns when you're auditioning for something. It doesn't say Mexican slash Caucasian. It's either Caucasian or Hispanic or Latin. These are the things you learn. Well, I'm trying to educate some of my UCF, my fellow UCF students out there. You're going to learn this along the way. So just know what your market is. Know what you look like. Learn those accents. I can do so many different accents. I'm ready for whatever my agent sends me out on. I also know the age that I look and I go with that. Okay. People always ask me, what's my age? I say, well, do you want my, my actual age or do you want my actor's age? But I benefited from that, but I passed it on to you. I summed it up for you. Funny you mentioned that the final class I'm taking at UCF right now is theater careers with professor Jim Helsinger and it's invaluable. It's just, you're getting it straight from the man himself who's had years of seeing it, living through it himself. And I love hearing that it stuck with you and got you to where you are. So it bodes well for another person taking this class. And I love what you're saying here about not just taking the risk and going to LA, but also taking the risk and forming an identity, making yourself marketable here and realizing and learning and seeing this isn't working. What is working? and putting yourself in a situation. So I, I love to hear that. But your generation is the generation of social media and you guys are amazing at what you do. I, I love social media. It's not something I want to do every day because I don't need to do it. But if I was an upcoming actor, I'd definitely be on the, all the platforms mm-hmm. that are legit. TikTok, YouTube, those two, TikTok and YouTube, if you can put good content out there that shows your skill set, mm-hmm. then you make it business. Agents love that. Mm-hmm. They love that. My son, who's an actor, he did Nickelodeon's Henry Danger Force. It was one of his first jobs. He came close on a recent project. And my son did a great job and it came down to him and another kid. And guess what kid beat him out? A kid with 15 million followers on TikTok. I can't be mad at that. You know what I mean? It's 15 million followers and this kid is funny on TikTok. I don't know if he can be an actor on a TV series, but let's hope he can. 
But you get what I'm saying? Right. You have to do whatever you have to do to market yourself, to push yourself. And the thing I was going to say about social media is create a character on there. You don't have to be you. You can have a private Instagram for just your friends, but the character that you are on your social media is not an indication of who you are in real life. Mm -hmm. You need to be friends with these people. Give me something entertaining. That's my point is embrace who you are, learn the game, because mm -hmm. it is a game. Don't hate it, mm -hmm. learn it, and don't get frustrated by it. And stay away from the word rejection. Actors love to throw that, or people that are not actors. How do you deal with the rejection? When you talk about rejection, I'm not trying to date these people. Because I got auditioned. I can't help but that I don't look like Denzel Washington's son. Mm -hmm. I can't get the job if I don't look like him. They changed the role, the dad, to Denzel Washington. So how can I be his son, right? That's not rejection. You get what I'm saying? It was just, you're not right for the role. Uh, so please stop using the word rejection. Just say, no, nah, I didn't get it. You can give whatever reason you think you didn't get it. You could say, oh, I didn't prepare enough. Or I think I was too tall because the, Tom Cruise was the lead. These are things you can make up reasons, but stop saying rejection. <laughs> and not just the actors. We don't say rejection. Our friends say it that are not actors. They like to throw, how do you deal oh, with the yeah. rejection? Yeah, there are these quirky phrases that you get from people who aren't as familiar with the process and is, it's a little, it's a little pessimistic for my take. I appreciate the optimism of actors and the optimism of don't stop when you've been knocked down and keep trying. Yeah, and were you really knocked down? I don't know, my son got told no for the, the Lopez versus Lopez. Yeah, my wife cried because she wanted him to get it. Mm -hmm. But it's not crying because she's disappointed in him. It's just, oh my God, he was so close. I'm so proud of him. You said it's just tears of joy. It's like he wasn't knocked down. He was actually elevated him and it's going to make him better. You guys, that's why I tell you, get a second career so you're not all in and desperate for a job or you get depressed because you don't, you're getting told no more than yes. Do you get what I'm saying when I say that? I do. Just get something else you have passion for that you can get paid to do. And that way you never have to give up your dream of being an actor. Mm -hmm. that, that's it in a nutshell. Well, young actors need to hear and need to get that. So I appreciate you sharing it. Thank you. For sure. So I've loved what we've been talking about. And now I want to jump to the impact you've made on generations of children, now adults. You played this role of Esteban in The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody that has been ingrained, absolutely just just chiseled in stone in the hearts and minds of Lord knows so many students. Let's just say that it's probably one of, if not the biggest show on Disney ever. Mm. It lived up to the billing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it continues to live on. The show, it'll, it'll exist forever just because of all the love that people have for it. It's funny that you say that it was the highest rated pilot when a production makes a show they actually have it viewed mm -hmm. by just random people, almost like a focus group. Mm -hmm. And they give the, the, the people that watch the show, and they do multiple groups, mm -hmm. they ask their opinions about who you like, who you don't like. And I promise you, after 100 people watch an episode, or maybe even a 1,000, if there's one character that's not viewed pleasantly, they replace them. Mm -hmm. that, that's the truth. And that's another pressure that we get as actors is having to live up to the likeness of the audience. And that's why I tell my actors, listen to this advice here, okay? Every choice you make has to be strong as an actor. Am I going to throw this chair down or am I just going to 
make a weaker choice. Whatever your choice is, go for it. Don't have stuff with it. But remember this one piece of advice. And this is obviously my opinion, but it's boded well for me. You are never performing for yourself, ever. You are always performing for the audience. Always. So every choice you make is for the audience. Every, hey, open your body up, cheat out, is for the audience. Hey, I can't see your face. It's for the audience. Hey, et cetera, for the audience. So I only say that because once I started learning that if you don't entertain the audience, you're not going to have a job. So do your homework, come in ready with your characters. Even if it's an audition, what do they wear? What kind of, you know, music do they listen to? Who's their best friend? Who are you talking to in your monologue? Who are you talking to in an audition with a scene? Mm -hmm. Because you talk to your mom differently. You talk to your sister. If you say with an attitude, it says with attitude, I don't know. Now, who are you talking to with the attitude? Is it mom or sister? Yeah. With mom, is like, I don't know. With sisters, I don't know. Mom, you can't really give her too much attitude because you can get restricted, get in trouble. Or boyfriend or husband, whatever, whoever you're talking to, that's doing your due diligence. Why do you guys think that I was from a third world country, Peru, and my accent was real and I owned a pet chicken named Dudley. Why did you think that? Very strong choices. Exactly. Very strong choices. What would Esteban do? Not what would Adrian do? What would Esteban do? And once you get to know your character, you start making these decisions. That's why you fall in love with the characters. That's why you guys love Brenda Song as dumb as she was. He's one of the smartest girls in real life. But she was such a good actress and made you believe she was dumb as rocks. The moments in the show that people have as these catchphrases and individual bits from episodes that I'm certain you have been requested to perform, just those moments, those are all very strong choices. You cannot deny yeah. that. Those are all strong choices that you made on the show that were so strong, they've stood the test of time. Exactly. That all my catchphrases came out of just the script and making a choice. Oh, this is a disaster. That's a strong choice. Thank you. That was awesome. I love that. And, and then after I did that, it was only written that one line. It was supposed to be like this. Oh, this is a disaster. How am I going to do the whatever? Esteban was saving up money uh, for his sister's Esta Carlada, quinceanera. So everybody was learning to dance. It was the ballroom episode. And that line was the first time I said it. But I said it because the director said, I can't hear you. I need you to be louder. He said it to me three times. And I'm like, fine. So I came out and I went, I just did over-exaggerated it on purpose, just making fun because we were rehearsing and right. loved it. He said, keep it. And then they put it in the episode, every episode after that, every single episode. I said, oh, this is a disaster. And my long name, every time. Isn't that crazy? I was watching Kelly Clarkson for some reason the other day. And who was on there? Oh, Camila Cabello, right? Yeah. And she was learning how to drive. And she said, I didn't know that the Prindle had the blah, blah, blah. And Kelly's like, wait, 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 what did you just say? You know, the Prindle, that's what London said in the Sweet Lives Act and Cody. He goes, okay, this is showing my age because I don't know what you're talking about. And Camila was saying that to the whole audience and the whole audience erupted. Like shows you how big our show was, you know what I mean? Who grew up watching it? The stars of today grew up watching the Sweet Life. So I respect and am so appreciative of what we left behind for young people like you. Thank you, because we love it. When you were auditioning for that show, do you have any memories from that process? Just consistency. When I got the scripts, I made a choice. I went in there. I made a choice to make Esteban happy even when he was in trouble. 
I believe that's what got me the job because they were laughing. When Mr. Moses was like, Esteban, you need to get all those kids out of the lobby now or your job is at stake. He's, oh, sir. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. I will do that for you. Post to, oh, sir. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. I'll do that for you. Because then you're like, oh my God, he's in trouble. And you, you're like this with Esteban. But if he's happy about everything, I just got yelled at by Mr. Moses. He was the greatest thing ever. That's hilarious. Opposed to making him scared about everything. So I made the choice. This is going deep, but you guys want to know why you fell in love with Esteban. I made a choice that he was from a third world country, living in America, so happy to be in America, couldn't wait to be an American. I don't care. Like, I have shoes. I have a job. People know my name. I, what am I going to be depressed about? I live in America, man. And that's what the vibe I wanted to give off. And then I respected my elders. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, as Esther always respected when London was like, go over there and yell at Mr. Mosey right now because you're rich. You don't need to give him any more respect. Go over there and tell him that you want the window with the view and everything. He's like, I can't do this. It's Mr. Mosby. He's going he's gonna to kill me. He can't kill you. You're rich now. Okay, I'll do it. And I go over there, Mr. Mosby, I want to talk to you about my lunch. You can still feel Esteban scared, but yet standing up for himself. These are the little things that you guys fell in love with. Yeah. And Truth be told, when I did the first audition, the casting director loved me. And she said, you're coming back to meet the producers. She didn't give me a note. Usually a casting director will give you kind of notes or give it to your agent. So I just came back and made sure I did the same thing. Right. Because she liked me the day before. Why would I just do the same thing? Then the executives liked me. The Nate's formed back the third day and I did it for Disney execs. And on the third day, audition Wednesday, callback Thursday, Disney exams Friday night, I got word that I got the job. Three days. Changed my life forever. Those three days, I prepared for those three days. You know what I'm saying? Like, I came ready. It was my time. And I believe everybody listening to me, that your time will come. It will come 100%. My question to you is, will you be ready? Mm. I love it. You have to be ready. I'm glad you didn't speak to let that set in because they're probably going, damn, will I be ready? Well, I'm because it's deep, but you want to be an actor. It's one of the hardest things to do, but you can't control your passion. You love it. So do it. Right. But do it at your highest level. Put everything in it. Go deep. That's why people fall in love with these wonderful characters in movies and cinema because you believe them. You're like, you live through them. You fall in love with them. That's why you cry when they die in the show. If you don't care about them and they die, you're like, ah, whatever. So that's why I say it's always about the audience. It's never about you. But I would just say the one thing I learned is the consistency. Be consistent. Don't do any shortcomings. Don't cheat. Just go all in on your roles. What does it mean that this character has touched so many people all these years later? Like I said, when I watched Camila, mm-hmm. when I saw her talk about the sweet life, like it was second nature. And she's like, we're the most famous singers out there mm-hmm. or artists out there. How many other artists grew up watching the sweet life? Because she just said it like casual. So I think anybody like 30 and younger, maybe 15 to 30 years old, knows the show or you've been living under a rock. To know that is crazy, my friend. It's crazy. It's humbling. And people that know me, one of the most important things you can do in life in general is be appreciative. Man, I'm one of the most humble people you meet and I'm always like gracious and thankful. I do count my blessings, but if you put good energy out there, you'll get good energy back. If you dismiss bad energy, then it'll be removed from your life. 
That that means people. You got to hang out with people that lift you up, not take you down. Not question every decision you make. Why do you want someone in there going, why do you want to be an actor? Like, you know how hard that is? Like, why do you think you're going to even make it? So what I say to those, to my fellow actors out there, which goes back to this, anybody that says that to you, if you made your decisions, you made smart decisions, just remember having two careers will enable you to have power over that dude or that woman being negative about you. Me, I was a high school teacher. If I didn't become a famous actor or I didn't have to go back to teaching again, I would still be a teacher to this day and still be an actor too. And my path would have been different probably. So I just want you to know that. But when you go all in on something, I say second career, parents call it a fallback. Just FYI. Okay. What's your fallback? Are you going to be an actor? What are you going to minor in? What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do in real life? Uh, Mom, this is what what's your real do? job? Really? What's going to be your real job, though? This is a real job. Mm. Okay, so how are you going to pay your bills? I'm telling you, you get all those questions. I get it. Get it. Your answer is, oh, I'm a high school teacher. I teach elementary. Or I run my own business. Or I work in a whatever, doctor's office. Whatever you got to do, you have an answer for it. Don't just wait for people. Get out there and make your career happen. I'm loving to hear this. <laughs> for, for an actor like myself, it's marvelous. Breath of fresh air. Great to hear from somebody who's been there, done that. So I, I appreciate all the advice and everything you have to dispel. Thank you. No problem, man. In your business, what do you look for in actors and talent that you want to work with? Oh, for me, just you know, someone who works hard. That's all. If me and you're doing a scene together, hey, bud, you've at, at your run lines at lunch and you want to practice what the, the director gave us, mm-hmm. these types of things, right? People that don't have time to practice their craft, then you're not a real actor, in my opinion. I'll give you an example. I like working with people who work hard, okay? So you, Sweet Life fans out there, remember this episode? Oh, me. You remember that one? Classic. <laughs> Halloween episode. But that was the episode that pretty much guaranteed us like multiple seasons and a spinoff. That was the episode. But let me tell you something. When you're in action, you've been doing this while, you, you see the ups and downs of the industry. You could book a series or a pilot and the pilot gets canceled or the pilots get picked up and then you're back to square one again. You're on a series and it gets canceled. You're back to square one again. You get in a movie and you do the movie. You get paid and they cut you out of it. These things happen to us actors. We got to keep moving on. We knew we had a juggernaut on our hands with this sweet life. We knew it. We had a gut feeling. This is what I mean when I look for an actor. Dylan, Cole, Brenda, Ashley, myself, and that was it. So me as the adult and all kids, Ashley may have been 18 or 19 at the time. Brenda was like 17 or 16 and the kids were like 12. We all, during that episode, for three days straight, because we rehearsed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, filmed on Thursday, Friday. We knew that if we get that seance scene around the table, as perfect as we can get it, we knew that we, we had something here, right? So this is what I mean by working hard in the Kids did it too, Dylan and Cole and Ashley and Brenda. We worked through lunch every single day. I think we went back and worked that seance scene. That's why you guys liked it so much. That's why you guys thought it was flawless, epic. It trends so many times on social media. And I know why, because we put so much work into it. If we didn't put that work into it, 
it wouldn't have it wouldn't have impacted your life the way it did. Something as small as this. Do you remember when the, when Esteban said, "Don't ever say that word, pizza." Remember that? And it was the ghost's voice mm. in Esteban. It sounded like it was coming through Esteban. We made that up during rehearsal and we showed it to the director. He said, I love it. So we've had the ghost, Irene, was right off stage and she did the voice as I went and she was saying it off stage. So something as simple as that. So I would say for me, I, I like to surround myself where I look for hard workers. It's not about your talent. You're talented because you got the job. It's rare that you see a bad actor these days on TV. You do see them, but it's rare. It's pretty good. You cannot like look at Netflix and think they have bad actors. They have amazing actors on Netflix. They have amazing actors on Hulu. On Apple TV, it's the new age now. Not just CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox. It's across the board. Euphoria. Not that I'm a fan of it, but my wife likes that show. But the acting is phenomenal. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're all young actors. A lot of them. And the old actors on there are amazing. But I know that those young actors are working their ass off. Mm -hmm. outside of their own scheduled rehearsal. Mm -hmm. That's why they want to see that you have a track record if they're going to pay thousands of dollars to be on their, in their movie or their TV show. That's why it's, it's a double-edged sword. When you're an upcoming actor with no TV and film credits, how do you get that to prove yourself? That's what I had to deal with. You just got to keep pushing, get those one-liners, get those smaller roles because there's less risks for them. And then someone's going to take a risk on you. Someone will. And the questions go back to my other one before. Are you ready? Will you be ready? Be prepared. Be ready. Don't get ready. That, that's my advice. It's fantastic. And it rings as true now as it ever did. Anything else you see that you wish young actors knew? People who are maybe still in school and want to keep pursuing this career. But this has changed so much because of the pandemic. And I think for the better, mm -hmm. I would just... This is a couple of pieces of advice that I would give these young actors. Some of you are going to have success right away and some of you are not. That's why it's good to have a second career, right? So for those of you that have success right away, save their money. Don't spend it. Don't lease own. Because then you can always sell that thing you bought that you own and at least get some of that return back. Right. I'm getting deep, but it's true. I have a lot of friends in LA that I met back in the late 90s that I'm still first to today that have booked great shows. And you guys know them. You watch them like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, these are my friends. And I've seen some of my friends that the world sees them as rich and they're not because they spent through their half a million dollars for this series gone because they spent it. So I would say incorrectly, I guess, I don't want to be too harsh on it because some of them think, hey, you're talking about me. <laughs> but I would say manage your money properly, invest into yourself, always get good headshots. This is my uh, advice about headshots. Don't go the cheap route. Don't try to go to Walmart or the mall. Do your research on the photographer. Why does everybody pay $800? $800 for headshots? But he's obviously worth it because people are paying it and he's helping people get jobs. Because here's my advice about headshots. A headshot gets you in the door. Mm. Your skills and training book you the job. Mm. But I'm telling you, you're never going to get the opportunity and agents never going to see you. Um, Cashier is never going to see you if your headshot looks, let's just say, ghetto fabulous. You, you got to get great headshots or you're never going to get in the door. Right. So that's a good piece of advice that I would say. And get on social media, 
And here's something that, that is happening. And if you don't know how to do it, you're going to be behind the eight ball, but you need to learn how to professionally self-tape. Hmm. You got to learn how to do it. Self-tape your auditions. I honestly care about young actors, even if I never run across you because I was you. You know what I mean? I, I was in your shoes. And I think it's only fair to pay it forward because it goes back to appreciation. I just appreciate what's been given to me and to see my kids now doing it. And I still do it. I'm not as active as an actor. I'm kind of a little bit more picky because it's not about, I'm not in a position of desperation. I'm in a position of just like enjoying my life. Now I am in my mid to late forties. So, and I've been started when I was 17. It's a long career. So I'm not retired. I'm just picky, a little bit more picky. You as a young actor coming up, just do everything. But you can always say no if it compromises your morality. But I would say always do the audition. Just because it's experience. When every audition you do, even if you don't feel you're right for the role, every audition you do is going to make you better the next time. Period. I promise you. I can go on and on about advice, but those things are things you need to think about now while you're a student of acting. Being a student now is so exciting. It's this strange energy of daunting and exciting because there's this whole new age of social media that's coming up that hasn't been fully oversaturated that there's still room to grow in it and develop. And I so look forward to seeing what actors take full advantage of it and become like the next generation of great stars, hoping to get to come up with them. I want to ask you one more thing. What's one thing that you are still hoping to do in your personal life as a performer? Okay, I, I'm, a, I'm a dad now. So if you asked me this question 10 years ago, it'd be different. Okay, but now five and a seven-year-old who are my life on top of my wife, Mm. It was very emotional for me because as you get older, you'll understand. But when I say you'll be 40 years old saying, I wish, mm -hmm. because then you'll live life from that time on with regrets. Like, oh, I wish I would have done that, man. Why didn't I do that? Look at this kid's doing great, right? So I went hard. I went for it. I said, I'm going to LA. I'm going to do this. We'll see what happens. You know, Jim Helsinger asked us to write where we see ourselves in five years or 10 years. And in my essay that I wrote, I said, I'm going to own my own actor studio one day with Al Pacino, and I'm going to be in a movie with Al Pacino. Why accomplished two of those three? I have my own actor studio now. If you ever want to look it up, it's cgtv.la. And I've worked with Al Pacino in a movie called Simone. Wow. But I've never opened up a studio with Al Pacino. <laughs> That's the only thing I haven't done. But those were my goals. I, and it's in papers, documented me saying this. And that's what's good for you guys. Even if you're not in Jim Helsinger's class, why don't you write down where you see yourself in five, 10 years and see what happens. Read Because five years happens quickly. 10 years a little bit, takes a little time, but it does happen. It's good to reflect on where your mind was at the time. Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, my mind was somewhere else. But now, if there's something I could accomplish that I think I could die after I do this, would be in a show or a movie with my kids. That's something that would be awesome. Either it was a series or it was a movie because I haven't done that. Okay, so I didn't win an Oscar. Acting is not about winning Oscars. Those are subjective anyways. Who's to say that Denzel Washington's performance was better than Leonardo's performance in these two movies? And that's all subjective. So if you want to get an award and it makes you feel great, then go for it. I used to dream that. But as you get older and you realize life is not about awards. Life is about what did you leave behind? What's your legacy? So what are you leaving behind where you grow up? What impact are you having on this? 
for me, I choose projects that are, I'm not saying goody goody. I'm just saying like they have a purpose. And so for me, I would love to do projects that are high level projects that leave an imprint. I look forward to seeing it come to fruition. Adrian, my friend, it's been such a pleasure and honor. God, I wish someone would have told me all those years ago, watching the show and before I came to UCF that an individual like yourself came through a program that I went through as well. And you are somebody that UCF, the theater program loves, they look up to, they appreciate, they honor. They are thankful that you are a part of the legacy and a part of the history of Orlando theater because Orlando's got a lot of amazing people and thank you for being a part of it. So I so appreciate your time and talking with me. I hope to see you on set one day. Hey, that would be awesome. You keep doing what you're doing, be an impact and set yourself up to succeed. You got this and seem like a great guy. UCF was a life changing opportunity for me. I'm sure it'll be for you and all the students there. So just work hard and remember to appreciate what's been given to you. And yeah, if things get hard, it's good to have outlets to express yourself. And I always say that acting is the root of all professions. That's good stuff. Yeah. And this episode, this interview we're recording is my final episode of host as I'm graduating. So again, it was such an honor to have you on my final episode to get to talk with you. So thank you again. What a cool guy. It's clear that his experiences during his time at UCF have played a role in his success today. And I had so much fun learning more about Adrian and his connections to the Central Florida area. And I hope that you did too. It was a great way to wrap up this season of Nights Do That, having an alum and celebrity on. I'll have one more episode for you all, reminiscing on my time hosting Nights Do That, where I'll be sharing some of my favorite episodes. But until then, go Knights, charge on.